You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm a staff writer at IndieCornerRows.com. And join me on the other line for our weekly podcast. It's the man with too many titles, works for the West Indianapolis Community News, 8.9 seconds in like nine different other basketball sites. Mr. Tony East, Tony, Jimmy Butler on the trade market. We talked about him last year. We were, you mocked me for saying that he might get traded this week. What do you have to say for yourself? I can't believe it. He, uh, he proved me wrong. I, I told you before the show, well, what if he says he's going to get traded? What if he wants to be traded? And you're like, no, it's not going to happen. It's gonna be I, don't think he's gonna, I did not think he was going to say that. It's crazy. I didn't think he'd get moved before media day, and then poof, they're looking like they're going to try to do it. Uh, we should probably say this because it literally could happen any minute. Like We're recording at 6.30 on Sunday, so he he is still a Timberwolf right now. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like he's going to move by the latest end of this week. It looks like they want to move him by like Wednesday or Thursday, the – Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting. Um, guess the one thing we start with is the Cavs have interest in him, and it seems like they might get a deal done there. Does that at all change the dynamic of the East? Then I'm trying to like that's where it really could yeah. be an issue for the Pacers, not just them training for him, but the rest of the Eastern Conference. Like the Cavs, theoretically, I guess LeBron is how much better than Jimmy Butler, but he carried that Cavs team to 50 wins. Can Butler with Love and their eighth overall pick be decent? I guess. I mean, the Pistons have rumored interest too in Woj's article. They're one of the teams that that originally offered so. The central and but the Bucks uh, are on the forefront of this discussion as well. So really, the entire division outside of the team that traded him away, ironically, uh, is apparently very interested in Jimmy Butler, which means Pacers are somehow at the center of it, even though who knows how much interest they actually have. So I guess you put it on the South Cap in front of you, but how feasible is a Detroit and Milwaukee trade? Uh, pretty feasible for both, I would say. In terms of so, what would they have I to guess give up? Pistons, and- Pistons is a little harder, but I think Milwaukee's pretty easy. So how does do you do you have an idea of how they do it? I, I can pull up the the cap sheet. Chris right now. Middleton. Do you think it? So the question is that makes them better, but does it make them? I guess how much better does it make the Bucks? Does it make the Bucks from the fifth or fourth best team in the East to the third best team? Is that how the jump they make? I mean, is that kind of what you're thinking? I don't they know. Probably have the, they probably have two of the top four players in the conference, so they would be very high up, I think. Well, so you're saying the third and fourth are Kyrie and. I'm saying the top four players in the conference, if Jimmy Butler were in the conference, would be in no particular order, Embiid, Giannis, Kawhi, and Jimmy Butler. Not, uh, I guess, not 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 Kyrie. You wouldn't throw Kyrie in there above not him? Not the top four. He'd be like fifth or sixth. Okay, only people would be right there with fifth or sixth, I guess. Yes. yes. Um, I guess that one worries me a little bit, but I guess... I think the Bucks have so many more shit in their bench that I'm, that will hurt them hurt them overall in the season. I guess in terms of wins, I mean, playoff time it might be a better team, but I don't think they right. They're just not a very deep team right now. I think they have like a pretty much from like six to nine, pretty bad. They didn't lose anyone from last year, and they added Brooke Lopez, so I'd say they're okay, but they're they're just it's yeah, man. <laughs> well, they also added um I can't pronounce his name, the guy from uh you know Ilyasova. They added Ilyasova. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty solid, I think. Got a good front court. I mean, their fourth guard is, is Delhi. That's not good. But yeah. we, we, <laughs> I mean, we they have a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the Cavs, who you actually asked about, um, yeah, they'd be a playoff team, I think, for sure, if they got him. Um, him and I don't know what the dynamic with him in love would be, um, but I think that they have some level of 
of complementary skill sets, which is nice. And I think it means that Jordan Clarkson doesn't start, which is huge. Um, I think it would help them, but I don't know what assets they have that could make it work without giving up Sexton. I think it had to be Chetty Osmond. Um, future picks. Being kind of future picks. It had to be future picks and Chetty. And Corver's a Tibbs guy, so maybe he's in there, but I'm not really sure how that shakes out. So, like, for the Pistons, for example, so salary-wise, it would have to involve either... The Pistons is hard. Right, because they would have to... Like, they don't want... Well, it, it maybe be around Reggie Jackson would be the centering of that kind of trade, I guess. It's Stanley kind of like, Johnson, probably. Well, like a like a Reggie Jackson Stanley Johnson combination would be kind of the centerpiece oh, of that because you need some big salary uh, to be a centerpiece. That's what I mean. Given Jeff Teague is there, I don't think they would want to. I think they'd want like they would take back Lure and good stuff, but I don't know. Okay. What the deal I wasn't is. sure if they want Lure because this country's kind of a. Or they they go that you know the the stupid route and they throw in Jang, Gorgie Jang with Jimmy and then try to piddle around that way, but I don't know what's going. Yeah, on. but isn't Gordy, what's Gordy James' con- contract this year? He's making sixteen million for the next three years. Well, yeah, you know, you have to get to like thirty-six million in money, and that's harder. Yuck. Yeah, that's harder. To do. Milwaukee, you're you're spot on. Middleton, thirteen million. You could build something around him with a bunch of their smaller assets, right? Yeah, I think I think that makes some sense. I've seen people saying that they shouldn't do that as Milwaukee, but like, why <laughs> they get better and they could lose Middleton in the next summer anyway? Yeah, so. you're basically trading. I mean, it, I guess it depends how confident they in signing Milton and versus Butler. That's you're kind of right. just trading expiring deals. It's not that big of a deal. But also, I'm not sure Minnesota, or Minnesota wants to do that because what if they can't resign Middleton? That's a, you know, what I mean, they want right. guys they can control. They pro- um, and then I guess another team to think about is is obviously Philadelphia. They're sort of always lurking. You know, I think that my two favorites, quote unquote, in the East would be Philly, yes, and Miami. Um, I think Miami would be very good uh, if they got Jimmy. I think. You know, some centered around like Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I still think they'd be pretty good. Uh, like three borderline, all, two borderline all-stars in a for sure all-star if they do that. Like it's a pretty solid team. Um, and then, yeah, Philly, like you said, um, you know, he's not a great shooter, which is all Philly really needs out of anyone who's not Simmons or Embiid. Yeah, but it makes them the, the best. going to say he's so good off the dribble. Yeah, they'd be so good with him out there. So, But that would probably have to give them – give them trading away Robert Covington, which I don't know if they want to do that or not. So, you know, I think he makes a lot of sense there, but I don't know what they're willing to give up, which makes that one hard. So let's kind of turn to the Pacers centric. So the Pacers right now, we would say are the tie with the fourth best team in the East in terms of preseason with the Bucks, right? If we're kind of, yep. that's how we, I think we predicted that where we had, um, we had Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia ahead of them, Philly, depend, those all depend on injury, how the new trade guys fit that could change or how, so if Philadelphia gets Butler, they immediately become the favorite in the East, probably, or up there with Boston, kind of as a favorite, because they then will have up there with Boston. Right, they'll they'll have a big three. Boston will have a big five or four, I guess, depending on where you value Brown. Um, but then if Butler goes to the Heat, the Heat we probably both, and then we both had as our out of the playoff team to drop this year. How far does Miami shoot up? Then are they all of a sudden on the level with the Bucks and Pacers? Because technically, if you look at the rosters, it's basically teams with one superstar surrounded by kind of role players. If that's how you view the Pacers and Bucks, right? So where's that? I tweeted that I I tweeted that I put the Heat in the top four in the conference if they got Jimmy. Um, so I just I think if you think if you can, you know, I, this is a long shot too. But like if Whiteside's engaged, plus Dragic and Butler are clicking, like that is a good good team. Spolster's such so a good coach. So you're looking at like a starting five of. Sign white, some white, white side. Who are you playing at the four then? Justice Winslow. Win- Winslow, Drogic, Dion, and him, and yep. Butler. 
Yep, or Magruder right, so probably get the two. Uh, if, if Dragic is hurt, you know, they have options. They have, like, okay guys. Like Tyler Johnson's pretty good. Uh, and then they still have Bam at a buy off the bench. You know, they, they have a pretty solid group of guys. And so, James Johnson. So isn't that team, like, um, a worse version of the 16-17? No. Yeah, 16-17 Utah Jazz. Kind of a similar, lacking a ton of space. You put Butler in the Hayward role. You put Whiteside in the Gobert role. Um, you look right. It's kind of like a similar team, but, but worse probably because Whiteside's obviously worse than Gobert. Was, that Jazz team. No, was that so team was really good. They were a, they won fifty something games. I mean, they were kind of a knockoff of an old Pacer team, basically. Yeah, they beat the Lob City Clippers. Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. I would say they're. Yeah, probably. You know, the Gobert Whiteside gap's pretty big. Um, but everything. But then, but then I would say the Butler to Hayward gap two years ago is probably just as is not as big, but still big. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's a close comparison. I like that. Um, but that Jazz team was fun too. So I think that, I I don't know, and I think Pat Riley likes to swing for the fences. So I I I don't know what the trade package would look like, but I think that that would be something that would entice. Uh, and we, we forgot D Wade's going to be the starting two guard or the finishing two guard. <laughs> no, he's not going to start. He'll close. Yeah. No, I mean that team. I I agree with you. Is probably vaults up at least in the top six on the same level as the Bucks. I'm not sure it vaults above him because of the spacing. It's just that's kind of a very like old school team, which might win a lot of games in the regular season, but I don't know how it converts to a postseason run. Yeah, I mean they can get a good seed. I don't know how dangerous they'd be. That would be. I would love watching that. But there's. I just the the problem is there's a lot of Eastern teams that are in a decent position to trade for him. So not as okay. many. Okay, Bucks. We both agree. If he goes to the Bucks, they vault on the Pacers. That's an easy one because oh, yeah. they're about even now, and he's better than Middleton. Depending, obviously, I know the Bucks will have to give up. Let's say what the Middleton, maybe a Thon Maker, and a, something else, right, to basically make the trade work. Yep. So that's. I mean, it makes them a little less deep, but they're a better top five for sure. So the Pistons, the Pistons get him without giving up Griffin, Drummond, or Jackson. They're kind of top three per se. Yeah. Are the Pistons better than the Pacers? If they started. Uh, let's say they have to give up Kennard to make this happen, just for yeah. So I'm thinking a trade for them is like you said is Lur, um, Johnson, Kennard. Let's say that's the trade that gets you to about 17. Then you throw in some other spot on okay. like Zaza or whatever. I mean, they I don't, starting they would be starting um, uh, Reggie Jackson, Jimmy Butler, Gr3, Blake Drummond. That's a good five. Um, but that's close. That's probably pretty close. They're not that deep then though. They get rid of all their no, depth. Not at all. No, my God. They would have a horrible bench. <laughs> which, 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 what in the regulars, and that's kind of the key, right? Is the deeper bench you have, the more games you could win because you they have like that. Jose Calderon and Henry Ellenson and Zaza. <laughs> I don't know who even would play the wing for them on the bench. Oh, Reggie Bullock's good. He could do it. Um, yeah, I mean, they probably have seven solid players and they could kind of get to eight if they make the Butler trade, right? Right. So that's what they're looking So they probably. I mean, they, they get, again, they're at the heat. They probably get up into the Pacers and Bucks range. I think the thesis should be any team that gets involved into that range. Well, I think, and then the last one, Cleveland, I don't think they do. Yeah, they don't. Cleveland I doesn't think, know. I think they're just a notch behind. I don't, I, I, really, I guess, right, if they have, much if they give up um, their first round pick, it's sort of makes, it kind of makes them mute, right? Maybe, yeah. I, 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 I kind of like them more than most people do, but I don't think they'd get to that level. You're right. Yeah, I mean, also, I have a hard time believing they're going to trade Sexton just because they, they absolutely won't. Because, right, their whole rebuild is kind of built around him. And the whole moving on from LeBron was we're not giving up this pick just to go get a guy for one year. That was like their whole thing. 
So it right. doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the way it would work is be a future for, uh, first round pick. But I don't think they own their first round pick in a couple of years, right? Isn't they, they, they? If their next one goes to Atlanta for Corver, but then after that, I think they have all of them. I might be wrong. Okay. That, but that's what I mean. Like, I mean, they're only, that's per, that's like cost to turn into a good player or whatever. That means basically in two years, it might be decent again when the pick isn't that good. Yes. So then I guess. First, do you think Butler gets traded to an East team? Because I think that's more likely than a West team, just because I think there's more teams can talk themselves into it more for a one-year rental because they can make a better move. But then if he gets moved to the East, sort of how do the Pacers top that? Is there any deal Pacers can top any of these deals we just talked about? Uh, Aaron Holiday would have to go, basically. Or Aaron Holiday. Probably Aaron Holiday and Sabonis, honestly. Right. So, I mean, the Pacers salary cap-wise, there's. I mean, we I texted you a few trades to sort of make it work. Basically, you have to build something around either Bojan and Sabonis or Thad and Sabonis, or one of those two guys, basically, to be able to get to the 20 range. So the problem, I think- is, the problem is they're not going to trade both Turner and Sabonis. So if Sabonis is in, you can't trade Turner. Uh, and then TJ Leaf has, like, neutral value. So you just basically have no other assets besides first-round picks and Aaron Holiday. So it's well, they have, I mean, You have future first-rounders and you have expiring first-round- deals. First round picks, yeah, I don't think they care about that. <laughs> they're, no, they don't because they're going to be the they're going to be, be the, way over the cap anyway. Yeah, they don't care about expiring. I mean, the question is, do they want enough guys to sort of make another playoff? And right, like, what's what's Minnesota's right. end goal here? Right, they the idea is to build kind of around Wiggins and Towns. Assume you can revitalize Wiggins, let's say, because you're paying all that money, you have to kind of bet on that. So then it's, it's like, yeah. So like, you got to be able to get a better bench. So right, you if I think I sent you a trade. What did I send you? I sent you Kojo Boyan. Leaf and then a future first, and that's sort of like not a you're not really any premier asset there, but I mean, except for the future and Leaf, but you get two guys who could start for you immediately who will help you win games today. Kojo's not going to start for them, no, but he could. Like, sorry, that's like you get two guys who are in your rotation, they're going to help you win today. Okay, that's fair, but I don't think right. they can do that still. Well, I guess it depends how um, that's like that's like two, three neutral value dudes and a first for Jimmy Butler. Well, the question is how, what happens to the the bidding war for him per se, right? The Paul George thing. Originally, you'd say you got two neutral value dudes for Paul George. I mean, you you don't know how it goes. Is all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, we can't predict that though. And I mean, at the time, that was the the value thought for for PG. So we can't we can't revisionalize that trade. It, it, it turned no. Out. And I guess the problem with the Pacers though is is you can't give up a fad really. I mean, you could, but you really risk your power four because he's your only oh, power four on the they'd roster. They'd have nothing there. Nothing. But you have to be, then you're betting on Sabonis Turner being like the it. But yeah. um but then if you trade Sabonis for Butler for one year, you're basically turning a guy who could be, you know, a guy on your team for the next 10 years for a one year rental of you don't know. You're risking a future asset of Sabonis for a one year rental on a team that probably doesn't win the championship anyways with Butler. Right. Um so yeah. and then there's on top of the whole risk of Butler was five years, one ninety, and I don't know if you give him that at thirty years old with all his miles. That's a whole nother thing that's out there. Yeah, it's 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 hard to find the right move, and and yeah, Jimmy's past makes it really hard for me to think that a team's gonna want to give him a big deal either going forward. So I don't, I just don't think Indiana make is even kind of interested. For being honest, I mean, I think you kick the tires around, right? You right, you not. you call them and ask what they want, and then you say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so here's the thing: if you can build a trade around Bojan, then you then you basically you're forced to resign Thad because you're at you're out of cap space basically for next summer. Yeah. So you have to resign Thad. You're betting on your top five of, or you have to either get you get rid of Thad for Sabonis is whatever it is, but you basically betting on a core of Turner, Sabonis, maybe Thad throw in there, um, 
but Butler, Tyreek Evans, and Oladipo. So it's your six, which on paper is a pretty good six, right? I mean, I don't know how much, how long Thad has got it, but then you had Carlson that makes it seven, and maybe Holiday pops that's eight. So I, the question is, how good is that? Is that a good enough team in two years to win a championship? That's where you get the value that out, I guess. Exactly. That's close. And with six guys, you know, you have to hit draft picks or nail the MLE to, to really round out the roster. So yeah, that's- and, you're, and at that point, you're probably if, – if Turner becomes something that's possible, you're paying – 130 40 million dollars in salary right at least right so you're you're getting close to above the tax or at the tax it depends you know what happens you're probably you're definitely above the salary it's whether you're paying tax or not um but i mean i don't know i guess if old in two years is old depot butler turn that might be a good thing my championship to, if kevin durant goes to the knicks and they form a team with Kyrie and you know lebron is no longer lebron when he's 35 that might be a good enough team to win the championship to be honest yeah, unless uh, Porzingis, Kyrie, KD is amazing. <laughs> but that puts you on the level with them, right? If you've got Turner, Oladipo, right. Butler, you're on that level of them. Yes, I agree. Right, those are the – you have a same similar big three. Yeah, I, I just think the Pacers are more inclined to try to sign him. Um, but I know they would like – you know, I think this year would be a good trial run for something like that. Well, because they could bring him into the culture. I think he might buy him because – I. Yep. The one thing that you say about Butler, right, is he wants to he likes to work hard and runs around because he works hard. But the Pacers have that culture where Oladipo, obviously, and Turner's place putting it works their butts off, so they might be able to kind of convince him into that culture, I guess. Right, right. But then I'm again, like, no matter what you're doing, you're giving up two rotation players, so now you're shrinking back to your eight man rotation again. Yes, which you had last season. Which well, is, we just saw with Paul George the the culture thing works. I mean, he stayed in Oklahoma City, but yeah, it's it's the risk of decreasing the the depth of the team. But the thing is, Butler's different than Paul George. He's, but I would say Paul George is more of a second alpha, where Butler sort of wants to be the one A. And with Oladipo, maybe it works, but maybe it it doesn't. And Oladipo has to take a step back. I don't know if he wants to do that. And there's all that stuff, right? With that, so I think it's I, I more think, likely he affects the Pacers by being on a different good team. Yeah, I would agree. And I really, it makes because for so long I thought the East was kind of set. Like I'm all summer after whatever all the trades, I was like, this is set. This is who we're. But now it's sort of can. He could throw everything, a wrench the whole season, basically, where Butler goes. You know what else we thought was set that isn't set? The Pacers roster. <laughs> Let's take a quick pause, and then we'll talk about that. All right, Tony teased it before the break, because obviously he was sick of Jimmy Butler talk. Um, so <laughs> CJ Wilcox is out. What was his injury again, Tony? He tore his Achilles, whole season done. So he's going to get cut, because he's on the two-way deal. Oh. So he's going to be cut soon. Well, 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 allow me to interrupt you, Adam. <laughs> because yes. what would the Locked On Pacers podcast be without stupid cat minutiae that no one cares about? Um, he's got it for you. CJ Wilcox the contract has an exhibit nine clause. The Pacers will waive him and he will count $6,000 against the salary gap for them. So actually, if, actually, hold on, hold on. I got a question. Does he get his money? So only $6,000? Uh, he would only get $6,000. He would not get any of the two way money. Oh man. If, if he has not exhibit nine, but exhibit 10, he would get the $50,000 from the two way. He would be converted to a pro deal and then immediately waive. The two way would open up. Um, if he has neither of those clauses, they just wave him on the two-way, and he gets nothing. So I'm imagining that he has one of those two. The question is which one. Um, but I'm almost 100% sure they've already waived him, and we just didn't even see it because it was a useless thing of that they didn't have to tell us. Because he's not even on the training camp roster, so there's no way he's going to be on the roster. Well, neither thing affects the salary cap that much because that's insane right, right. of money in terms of salary cap. Absolutely. Not in real well, money. and I can only replace him with a two-way guy, so who cares? But the salary cap part doesn't matter. I've just talking about the, the, the things um but so, yeah he, Achilles tear out for the year and I thought kind of that his deal was like they wanted a two guard because 
Tyreek Evans is, has this injury history and he could step into the pinch and now they don't have that guy, which it's again, it's easier to replace and some are six, four and play the two in summer league. So maybe it's not a big deal, but it's, it's something it's, it's very small, but it's something. I, first of all, it's very rare. Any of these two guys will ever play more than nine minutes in a season. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Put that there. Like none of no, point point thrust was huge last year on his two way, but he got converted and he played how many minutes of points actually played the season ended? Quite a few, quite a few before December. I want to look this up now while you keep talking. He played about, quite a few before. He played December a bunch 27. of garbage minutes. He played a significant no, run. He played like 29 against that, that, yeah, like two weeks. He was really huge and he but earned I, the promotion. I'm saying what I'm saying is <laughs> it will most likely be insignificant. He did. Basically played in the same amount. He was significant for a total of maybe two or three games. Yes. Anyway, the point of these two-way deals is to is to develop players, not necessarily for injury reserve, whatever. It's it's that we want young guys to develop, right? That's the point of them. Uh, Poitras had 53 minutes, excuse you, total. Okay, so, before so like I said, he played two significant games. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, it is about development, which is why Wilcox was kind of a head scratcher because he was 27, 28. He's pretty yeah, old. Also why Sumner's there. Sumner's there because yes. he's developing. They, they drafted him. They, he was hurt, whatever it was. So around simultaneously with this injury, though, the Pacers signed Omari Johnson, not, not well, Sumner. Well, well, well. Uh, the Mad Ants traded Jared Utah last year. Remember when we thought Utah was going to make the team? Good times. Uh, they traded Utah and like a future. You thought that, not me. I did think that. You were right. Um, they traded Utah and like a future something. The G League has different roles for trades. Uh, for Omari Johnson, who played five games with the Memphis Grizzlies last year. So he was a pro player. Um, and he's like a kind of a stretch four, kind of a big man kind of guy. He averaged like a little over five points a game when he played. He's not terrible. Uh very much an edge of the NBA kind of guy. The man is traded for him to have his G League rights, and then immediately the Pacers signed him to a training camp deal. So uh, he, he is is the new guy, and I thought he was going to be the last guy on the training camp roster, but now they might add someone to replace Wilcox. Yeah, so along with Johnson and Elijah Stewart are both guys on training camp deals, and they're both right now. I know you disagree with this, so you can yell <laughs> at me in a minute. Are the clubhouse favorites to get a two-way deal because they're being brought into training camp? Now, Pacers will probably bring in a third guy. They'll probably bring 19 guys in training camp. But for now, those two guys are probably competing for the last two-way deal. But obviously, there's a lot of guys out there. Pages are probably scanning around for them. Anything can happen with it. But I think they're the clubhouse favorites. I think Johnson's kind of a stretch four, so he, you know, he he fits the Pritchard mo. So maybe he does get it. I don't um, think you were a position though. When you're looking at those guys, you're looking at the true. most talented to develop player. Because like I said, Johnson's you're not... 29. He's pretty old. Yeah, so that could be that. But so maybe he won't get that. What Elijah Stewart's pretty young, right? He's the he just came, yeah. He this is his rookie year. Just came out of UCLA, and Elijah yeah. Stewart, like they liked him originally because they signed him before summer league even started. Um, but then he got hurt and couldn't play in summer league. So apparently they saw something they liked in him a long time ago. So I guess he does have a chance. Maybe maybe I wrote you off too quick before the show started. Well, so the thing with Poitras too, you look back at it. Poitras was a really good college player, if I remember right, in Kentucky. And so what 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 do you say? He played good with the Sixers the year before he he hopped over too. Yeah, but he's also a pretty good college player, and he had the size and he had the potential to be sort of a rotation right. player. And that's probably well, they didn't sign him because they needed a small forward or power forward, whatever. He ended up playing kind of played a little bit of both. They signed him because they saw a guy who had a pretty good college career, looked good for a year in the NBA, seemed like he needed to kind of get a chance and look he could be a rotation player on right. a team. And that's right. kind of I think that's what they see in Sumner. That's what they see in Stewart because um, they're pretty deep. I mean, like they said, I mean they need a power forward, but they're not going to get a power forward on, on a two way deal. You're not going to get a young power forward. And really, on the depth chart, um, Alize is ahead of both those guys. So it doesn't Alize is right. the the per se backup power or third string power forward if they really need one. 
um, or really Turner is, and you play EK e e up there at center, whatever it is. There's what I'm saying is they're looking for a talent, and they're not really looking at position for this spot. But it, interesting to see who they bring in because it, it could come in different. So you're big on Sumner, and I will see if Sumner kind of gets a full year. We'll see if he plays some minutes. We'll see if he makes an, an impression, and he could be a guy who, whatever it is, makes a roster next year, whatever it is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, finding minutes for Sumner is really hard, <laughs> just given the, how many guards they well, have. Well, it depends. They're just going to be blowing out teams this year because they could be so good, so then you find minutes for them. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but, but that, was minutes to Holiday, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you have to play two guard next to Aaron Holiday, which is, it is what it is. I mean, at that point, like, whatever, you're doing that. Um, yeah, but, you know, Darren Collins' injury history, Evans' got injury history, so you never know. There's could right. be some minutes there. Some, you're right. Some, not a ton, but some. Who knows? You are correct. That is true. Uh, back to Elijah Stewart, pretty good defensive player um, as a prospect, apparently. I asked a couple guys about him right after uh, they picked him up. Shot 39% from threes a year uh, and averaged 12 points a game. So could be an okay little uh, little guard they got there. He's 6'5", too, so big frame. Yeah, and like I said, I've been saying it over and over again, they're looking for – they look at kind of a body type and they're looking for potential. That's kind of what you're looking at. And, he and you know, appears to have an affinity for Southern South South. Southern California kids. <laughs> they do. You see UCLA, they're full of those kind of guys. I don't know whether it's because Alfred's there and they might have connection to that, or I don't know what it is, but they seem to love those guys. Maybe they're scouts love living in, in Southern, Southern California, which is a great place to live. So that could be it too. Well, I'm glad this happened before I did the uh, season preview for the two way guys. <laughs> yeah, without. So Tony wants to adjust some of his two way previews, which are going to come out in October. Um, if you haven't checked those out, last week we had uh, Bojan and Dougie McDermott. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, and this and this week we're doing an all center week in most of the center, so it's me three of them. Um, you want to do a quick pause again and talk about the ESPN rankings? Yes, I would love to. Okay, guys, for this ad break, me and Adam actually want to talk to you uh, during this ad break for once. Uh, we want to talk to you specifically about Vivid Seats, who is a great ticket company that will sell you your tickets to whatever event you're going to go to. Adam, what do you like about Vivid Seats? Well, so you can get an offer of on $200 or more, you can save 20 bucks. Get 20 bucks off on 200 or more. Uh, as we know, preseason's coming around. Opening night is what, six weeks away? No, 32 days away. I'm, I'm thinking September 1st or 32 oh, days 31. away. 31. Well, yeah, because we're recording on a Sunday. So 31 days away. You can buy tickets to that game. There's a game that weekend, I believe. There's games all season long. You can buy tickets to that. Well, you want to go to Colts games. I know we interact with that or we go on a concert or whatever it is if you buy $200 worth of tickets or you take the family out you know you and your wife and your kids or whatever it is you get $20 off it's a pretty good deal especially if you're buying a lot of tickets it's a great deal for that kind of thing yeah so I couldn't actually make it up obviously to see the Vikings my Vikings uh yesterday but I was checking vivid seats around uh for, for how it worked it was really great you can sort by location you could sort by price uh, it's really great. You, it's very user-friendly, and you can get it on the App Store. You can get it on Google Play. You can get it on your Android. It's really awesome. Um, but like Adam said, oh, also, there's a 100% guarantee that the tickets will work. But also, like Adam said, the best part is you can receive $20 off any order of $200 or more if you use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, uh, to save your money on Vivid Seats. I think I'll probably use it to go to a, a Colts game maybe at some point this year. Those tickets are costly. So definitely be yep. good to use. But they could be less costly if you get 10% off using our code locked on. That's code locked on. So vivid seats, go check it out, guys, and uh, back to the show. Welcome back in. So ESPN came out with their top 100 NBA rankings, kind of mirroring SIs, the crossovers rankings. Um, we talked about those last week. I uh, bitched and complained about um, a certain certain players above Oladipo because I didn't. 
think it was fair, but you know, that's whatever it is. But I will say ESPN's rankings fit more of what I would have seen. Um, let me go through them real quick. So ESPN actually had six pacers in the top 100. Carlson at 94, Sabonis at 89, Evans at 86, that at, that at eight, oh, Evans at 87, that at 86, Turner at 48, and Old Depot at 15. Um, obviously, Collinson and Evans were not on the crossovers list, and Sabonis and Thad and Tur- Sabonis and Thad were much higher, and Turner was much lower. So, some different opinions here. I don't, I actually didn't read how ESPN ranked their guys. Um, it does seem like to me that ESPN values Old Depot's season and sees it more as a projection of what he's going to do next season versus an aberration like the crossover. That was kind of the big thing I got from reading the little blurb. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, it's funny. They had blurbs like, what player do you think? You know, they always ask all the people who contributed, like, what player do you think will be too high or too low and make us look dumb at the end of the year? And Chris Herring, who 538 and ESPN and everywhere, he's such a smart guy. Uh, he put Turner as his guy that he thinks could be too high when it's over. Turner was at 48. Um, and he said, you know, we, we keep doing this with Turner. It's like this guy's got the potential to blow up and be really good. And, you know, he could do it again and make us look great. But, you know, if he doesn't, if he plateaus again, then he's not the 48th best player in the league. Yeah, with Turner, I guess the question is, is how much do you buy into his offseason workout hype? And then right. are you buying too much into his hype? There's <laughs> like this level of like you see what he's doing and you hope it translates. You think it could, but then – What's the appropriate amount for buying in? Is it is it 48 and 67 ranked? I mean, what is it? You just don't know. And obviously, you know, his first two years, he sort of was on this path where you saw growth every, each year and you saw kind of the steps for him to sort of become basically a kind of an 18 and 10 kind of guy. And then this last year, he completely just leveled off, got a little bit worse in terms of points per game. So, you know, that's kind of the issue there. But we'll see whether he gets touches too. Yeah, and playing with Vic is a totally different role than playing with PG. So you know, it's hard to it's hard to compare those years, even though it's easy to just look at two years of stats and being like, oh, he plateaued. But um, yeah, it was different. So so maybe this year more comfortability. He'll be better. That's not a word. Um, more comfort. <laughs> he'll be better. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he's killed the off season. So I'm sure that is in a lot of people's front of their minds too. But I like that he acknowledged that that could be a little high. But I, you know, that is 20 spots higher than the crossover had him. Um, but I tweeted this, Adam. Did you see it? I said clearly ESPN listens to Lockdown Pacers for putting Collison in their top 100. Yeah, that was that was one of your big things too. <laughs> which which it makes sense. Like um, when I had uh, um, Lockdown Maps Nick Nick on, he basically was like, "How do you value Collison for next season?" And it's sort of like a there's a kind of a poll because you can probably repeat this last year for maybe one or two more years. You're not betting on him in a future way, but next year, if you're just looking at one isolated year, you might bet on him doing it again because he hasn't quite hit the the age plateau yet. Yep, he had – yeah, he, he came out as a senior too, so really the NBA grind's only been at him for nine, ten years. Um, as yeah, a, he's 31, right? So it'd be That's a long time, but it's not like guys decline until like 12 or 13 usually. Uh, he's, and small. He, he's small. Well, he's finally in the perfect role, and a lot of the things he does aren't reliant on anything other than he's just a smart basketball player who can shoot really well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does do a little bit when he's on the rim, takes some contact. I mean, he he's not like, you know, he's not. I mean, he's a small guy, so he absorbs some contact around the rim, um, so that can kind of um, make him last less long. I guess it's not a really right way to put it, but uh, make him kind of um, his decline comes sooner because of all the hits he's taking. He had a bad knee last year. I just think he played through the injury right. and played actually kind of well. And once he got it fixed, he played much better in some sense where he looked he looked better. Maybe his stats weren't maybe similar, but he looked like cleaner out there. It looked like he had more of a step and was more felt more confident doing certain things. So I wonder how that will be if he has kind of a really 
doesn't really suffer any major knee injury, stuff like that. That would help him. But he could suffer kind of thing again, which could also throw him off. Um, but like I said, I mean, his 47% three-point range is just – that's not going to happen again. I mean, I would be no way. bet no. against it. But I mean, for, he, I think he's proven for three seasons in a row he's a 40% three-point, you know, which is solid. Um, yes. So him at 94 makes sense. You were also big on Evans not being there. And Evans is probably a purely like – does he stay healthy and what's his role? Because yep. Evans, I think, if he's playing like where he was in Memphis last year, is – by far and away a top 100 player, but in the Pacers, is he a totally different role, which makes him not a top 100 player because he's not putting up the, the gaudy stats and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I think it's like, like I wonder how these rankings would look if it was like every team's going to play one game and everyone's healthy. Like, what are the best 100 players? Like, if that's what ESPN did instead of SI, who was like the whole season, I don't know. You know, they don't really explain the methodology very well, but either way, you know, Tyreek was super good last year. Um, so they haven't, they, what they have him 80 something? I can't remember. They have him uh, 87. 87, yeah. So that's pretty good. And I like him being in the top 100 given his year last year. And I get how he also could not be because of his injuries. So uh, TBD. Yeah, with, with Evans, too, I just wonder at $12 million a year whether he eventually becomes maybe not the starter, but at least playing 30 minutes a game as a closer for the Pacers. I right. mean, I, I just think, especially think with for sure with the way people are going to guard Oladipo, other teams are going to kind of guard him. I wonder if Evans just, I mean, just by pure of the ability of, of being a more dynamic player than Collison, it just gets minutes over him and that sort of pushes him out. I, you know, it's interesting the thing to to watch kind of the Joseph Collison Evans kind of dynamic because because Evans kind of settled back into the shooting guard small four role. He played most of his career to become the point guard that he was last year, which made him so effective. If he's that kind of player, does he sort of start pushing Joseph and Collison out, who are both so also both on expiring deals and probably you know are in less of the long term plans of the Pacers versus Evans? So if he has a great year, is probably in the long term plans of the Pacers. Exactly, exactly. Even though he's thirty, he'd be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, on a three-year deal, I would trust him if he could. Me too. If he could play sixty-five games a year, it'd be worth it. Um, Who would you rather have spotting up next to Tyreek and Vic, uh, Bojan or or Darren Collison? Uh, you know, the fact that he could play the three made that hard for me because I was thinking about the closing lineup and I kept beating the drum like uh, that I would rather have DC out there for his spacing, but Bojan spaces the floor too, so maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I can't. Decide. You know what? I'm, I know this is weird to say, but Bojan is such not a clutch player sometimes. <laughs> That's true. I mean, That's I just remember, maybe maybe DC maybe the three guard. You know, you go DC Vic Tyreek, but I mean, remember there were times last year where Bojan like wouldn't get the ball when to shoot for the end of games because he was like afraid. Yeah, like, like this guy shot what he shoot for free throws eighty eight percent or something ridiculous like that. And he was, the end of every game. Yeah. yeah, and he was he or he was afraid to even get the ball to be fouled because he wasn't sure he'd make like and that that worries me like. Come on, got the, not afraid of that. He did it in the one playoff game though, which is funny. No, um, he had one great playoff game. Which maybe is, that'll change his confidence going into the year. No, but Collison, I always felt like you have the ball. He's not going to turn it over. He's not going. He's not going to be afraid. He's going to get fouled. He's going to make his free throws. Like that didn't worry me ever with him. Right. You know, some, maybe he missed occasional free throw, but he was not going to like get nervous and make the stupid pass because he didn't want to get fouled. He'd just take the ball and take the foul and go to the line every time. He wasn't worried about it. Yes. Um, okay. Tyre. So, sorry. After Tyreek, it was the same three guys, just in very different spots. Bonus and that. No, so bonus ranked below Evans at, 80, at eighty-nine. Sorry, I didn't. I'm, oh, oh, I'm. I thought he was in the 70s. Um, I actually think that ESPN's ranking of bonus is a little better than SI's 89, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I guess. So it's sort of like the the Turner and Turner's thing where like Turner made this leap his second year and then plateaued, right? Because was his second year like the best he was going to be and that's where he's going to be in his career or was there another level? So bonus made such a big leap his second year. The question is, is there another leap in him that, you know, 
the way it works, usually first year guys struggle kind of, then they have second year leap and then a third year leap. That's kind of, and then you kind of become the player you are in your three, four, five, maybe get a little better, improve in different aspects, but you kind of, you know who the player is in most instances by about three, four, and five. That's where you figure it out. Yep. So I wonder if there's kind of a thought, the crossover at least, um, if he's going to make another leap, you know, he's going to kind of maybe take over Turner center, or he kind of is going to become the, the best center to play with Old Depot, but where ESPN views him as like, he's kind of, well, was kind of the best he's going to be, which is still really solid, but he's not going to be like 18 points a game ever. He's going to be a 14 and eight guy every night. That'd be awesome. No, it'd be awesome. I mean, that's that's <laughs> such a valuable to get him in a trade like that too is super valuable. I mean, they, he was a throw into that trade almost, and he's clearly a a solid rotation player. And I thought maybe one of the best bench players last year, like should have been the six man conversation at least. Maybe can we get to the headliner at fifteen? Well, we got to. We missed one player. Oh, Thad. <laughs> we, sk- we skipped the, the player you probably always ignore, anyways. I mean, he's your he's the most he's a steady yeah. rock. Thad was 86. He was 76 and crossover. I don't know. Put him where you want. He's in the top 100. He's in the top yeah. 90. I don't know. You could, you could put him higher. I could see that lower. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I love that. I can't believe I forgot about him. That's yeah, cool. of course he did. That, that ranking is fine. <laughs> yeah, Thad, Thad is fine. With Thad, it's just how much of a decline does he have and what role is he playing? Um, like we've, I said it. He's the only power forward, real power forward in this roster. So you're gonna get some significant minutes. He's gonna get 30 minutes again. Um, I guess it depends how much they grind him into the ground. I guess it's sort of. Right. He, play, played, he played a ton last year. Yeah, he played second most behind Vic at 32. I mean, it's just because he's the most reliable. But um, you know, with his age, you think he might want to play 30 a game, kind of ease him back a little bit, hold him back for the playoffs, especially if you like the option of playing Bowen at the four, Devin Durant at the four, or playing Sabonis at the four. So we'll see what happens with him. But I, I expect him to not. Let's put it this way. In the next year rankings, I imagine him to be around the same spot, maybe a little lower, but maybe a little higher, but not, you know, in between the, let's say, 70 to 90 range on both of both of the crossovers in the ESPN rankings. Yes, I like that. Yeah. So the headliner, Tony teased <laughs> it before, before he slipped over, was that Victor Oladipo at 15. So I, I kind of teased this before is that ESPN, I think, values Oladipo's season last year as a leap and as a continuation where the crossover saw it maybe more as an aberration where he might fall back a little bit. ESPN kind of says, you can't, you can do this again. And where will he go next? That sort of was their thought. Um, they put him ahead of guys like Draymond Towns, Simmons, um, Clay Thompson, obviously and Kyrie are kind of the headlines. He put him ahead. Um, do you know where actually um, Al Horford ended up? Al Horford, isn't he in this group? Or is he in no, the group? He's in the, I think he's in the twenties. I think he, they put he him must be in the twenties if he's not here. Yeah, this was this goes with what we said last time. The guys we put ahead of him. I'm surprised he's ahead of Draymond, but the other four guys we got right, who they'd switch him with, which is cool. Actually, Horford's not even in the 20s. Maybe he's in the top 10. He's not. I, I swear he's not. He, in the, he is not in the top 10. No chance. You sure about that? Yes. And he's below 30 because he's not in. I believe. I have to believe in myself. There's no way Al Horford is top ten. I love Al Horford. I've I've been screaming his praises on this show. He's not top ten. I'm on the top ten. He's not here. He's 34. It's a lot lower than you would have thought. He is in wow. the 30s. Okay, so Gross. let's go back to Odipo though. I, that that was something where I I actually I don't know if it's that low, but that was something that bugged me last time when the crossover was how high Horford was. Um, but so in this list, Jokic is still ahead of Odipo, which I guess I can put up with. Um, but they put Jokic at 12. Which I don't know. It's higher than George and Butler, which sort of surprised me. Um, yes. But I like that Odie was ahead of Towns because I think that's something that needed to be settled. 
Yes, a good blurb about uh, Vic too from Royce Young. I think it's funny they made a Thunder guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, really good blurb about you know how they the ESPN really has that he can play at a high level every night. So uh, yeah, I like I like that ranking much better. Yeah, what's really odd too is Butler is at fourteen, so and George at thirteen. So the fact that Old Depot is closed, right basically closing the gap on uh, on Paul George, is kind of interesting to me. You want a cool article coming up? Ben Gibson is writing 14 things Victor Oladipo does better than those ranked ahead of him by ESPN. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure they other be things better than him, too. Yes, they do. And a lot of this has to do, too, with rings. Is that like Oladipo was 6'8, was he would be top 10 on this list. Yes, he would. Because he would have, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the kind of a dumb thing to say, I guess, but. But I also thought they put him ahead of Ben, ben Simmons. That's what interests me. I don't know. I, I, I like Simmons in terms of like, I mean, I might harm him sometimes for not being able to shoot the ball, but he's an elite player at every other kind of facet of the game. He's very good. So I, this is, I guess this one's more interesting because I, I think 15 is a little high for him, right? No, we had 18. So yeah, it's close. I mean, it depends yeah. who you not be ahead of that he's ahead of, but yeah. Probably close. Simmons is the one. I don't Draymond, think definitely not better than Draymond to me, but that's just me. It, you know, it, it, again, it depends on the system he's playing. And like, I think, Draymond with the Warriors is like an invaluable piece, but if you put Draymond on his own team, he's good. But is he 16 good? How good's his shooting? There's things like that. Um, it just depends. I mean, like, you know, I mean, how how do you value the Draymond being with uh, Curry and Durant? You really can't. So like, he gets some boost out of that I think for sure. Lucky he gets to play with Draymond and Curry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, Draymond's an invaluable piece of the Warriors, but I think last year he he showed some signs of wear. Let's put it that way. He showed some signs of not being like he did not shoot well. No, he did not shoot well. He played really good defense in the playoffs, and but he some nights and nights he wasn't always on in the Braves season, which that could be the team in general where Oladipo brings it every single freaking night to the Braves season, which is a different thing because when you win three titles, you you can you understand the aspects of no. how, you know, how important they are. What? Pat Riley and Miami have been as aggressive as any team in the pursuit of Jimmy Butler or Wojnarowski. Well, it doesn't surprise me, right? Because Miami like doesn't want to rebuild ever. No, they don't. That was a they, random live reaction. We can carry on. Yeah, we can talk about when they when who writes the trade from this week. We'll talk about next week. I mean, we'll bring that up. We'll talk about the trade, how it affects the team eventually. I just um, is there anything else good for the rankings that kind of bothered you in terms? No, of, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, Horford was too low for me. Donovan Mitchell had to go bare, made me super mad, but that is what it is. <laughs> See, I guess you really value deep defense and i yes. don't know how much in the regular season you can value defense you know of- the number one defense the last three years has been the team that won the cha- or well not the Cavs. screw them uh the number one defense has been the warriors for like three straight years so it's clearly something in the regular season yeah they've always like top three top but two. i thought didn't toronto have the best defense last year in the regular season i don't remember i think utah actually did last year thanks to mr defensive player of the year rudy gobert I, that that could be in Utah's translation was to what again? Oh, a second round loss to the best offense in the league. Yes, yes, the Warriors are an anomaly. <laughs> well, no, they lost to the Rockets. Oh, they did lose to the Rockets. That's right. Rockets had a top five defense, also, didn't they? Um, I th- uh, I know Toronto did. Toronto was five. I'm looking oh. it up. Uh, let's look at defensive rating last year. I cannot remember. Anyway, I, anyway. I like right with the Jazz, though. The Jazz definitely had to be. They were number one. I remember that. Yeah, defensive rating was Jazz, Celtics, 
Spurs, right? No, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. The Jazz, Spurs. Celtics. Yeah, Spurs, 76ers, Raptors. Rockets were six. Those were the tops. And then Trailblazers yeah. were seven. <laughs> Oops. Um, no, but I mean, so none of the top six, seven, eight. So Golden State was 11 last year, and Cleveland was 29. 29. Yeah, so, horrible. <laughs> so that defense with championships thing is, but it's different again in the regular season, right? It kind of. I was the Jazz defense related to forty-eight wins. That was it. The Pacers were yeah. Gobert missed like two a third a year. Okay, well, so did half the West. We've been over this. Half the West missed half the year too. Almost every team in the West has significant injury of, of ten or more games from a player. Gobert is borderline more important than a lot of those guys who missed time. Okay, he's more important than Jimmy Butler missing seventeen games. I don't know. It's probably about I the same. Not, say, not, I did not say Jimmy Butler. I mean, the only team that didn't have a significant injury was well, the Thunder had um, Ro- Roberson was out. So I, I don't want to do this. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying with the West last year, the injury thing is hard to say because every team had a significant injury almost. Yes, but they still would have won more games with those guys. Every team. Yeah, but I'm saying it all would have led to a net. Playing each other. <laughs> well, they are all playing each other essentially, so it would have led would, to a net. They get more than 48 wins if Gobert's not hurt. Obviously. Yeah, but if I'd say the whole West was healthy last year, then it becomes a net neutral for everybody, I think. No, they play Eastern Conference teams too. I don't know. It becomes kind of a net neutral in the West. <laughs> well, maybe in terms play. of finishing. Sorry. In terms of finishing, it, it comes oh, net neutral. Yeah, okay. Well, they still finished fifth in the West or fourth in the West, wherever they were. You said 48 wins, so I was going off the edge. Uh, no, you're right. right. They probably end up with, they, it probably ended up with a more lopsided East win loss record, again, <laughs> yes. even more than it probably was. Yes. The so. the Bulls might have won fewer games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, whatever. It, it, the injury thing is you can it definitely is important, but I think overall in the West it would have been the same net neutral. So, I guess in terms of the rankings, going back to the rankings, I don't think there's anything. I like that I put Curry too. I, I like that. I think Curry's that's good. Cool. I think Curry's the most valuable player on that team. I think Durant might actually be the best player, but I think Curry makes the whole system work. Yeah, he changes the game the most. And like, it's hard to explain to people like what he does on the court. Like, I don't know, non-NBA people that are like on Twitter and all understand NBA. Like, mm-hmm. the casual people I talk to him, like, you know, Ted Curry's literally makes it offense run because of his because def- of his offensive, like, ability to have to put a guy in basically at all moments. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, anything else with the rankings? Anything else with Pacer stuff? What are you riding this week? Media day today for you listening people. I will be tweeting a lot of the stuff I do there, so be ready. And I'll probably be uh, – Harping at you for some questions to ask people. I'm sure on Twitter or I'll text you some stuff to ask. Um, are you going to do one of the? Are you going to do a show where you're going to ask everybody kind of a interactive question? I guess. I would like to do that. Yes. All right. So that, that you might be able to see that later in the week. Um, maybe, maybe we'll have five pods this week. I think right now we have four planned. But if you just decide to go to media day, we should do the podcast for sure. Yeah, might have five. It'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So the season is. We were taking looking at. It. There's a. Basically around the corner, so it starts the seventeenth. So we've got now twenty four days, which means really like two more month, three more months without a regular season game, one more month without a preseason game. So we're almost there. Um, like I said, we're halfway through our player season preview. So we got centers up this week, then we got the big ones in Thad and Vic the following week, and then a, the scrubs the following week. So that should be interesting. Um, we have a special guest maybe coming on sometime this couple weeks to preview the season. You'll find out that about that later. As always, you can read Tony at 8.9 seconds and all their wonderful coverage. How far are you in your uh, salary series? I think I have five left. So check, are you are you the only one writing those or is somebody else writing them with you? Tell me. All right. So t- that's why Tony was tweeting about um, 
Oliva's <laughs> salary last, and we were. I was asking him about undervalued, most valued on Twitter. If you caught that, um, check that out on Indie Cornrows. Like I said, we've got some stuff coming up. Um, I'm gonna start. I guess they're doing a weekly column on Mondays for the season, and then there'll be some podcast posts throughout the week. Um, I have it a mailbag part of it incorporated into it with a Google link to click on to ask questions. I've got like 15 or 20 right now, but uh, if you want to check out that story, Indie Cornrows, my most recent one, Indie Cornrows, you can click the link and submit a mailbag question. I might answer it on one of the posts. Like always, you can catch our podcast this week four times, maybe five times. We'll hear it every Monday. That's all for his Locked On Pacers podcast. Have a great rest. Everybody.